Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, I'm Robert W. Schneider, and this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast. Plus, you can listen to all of our episodes, old and new, on the Broadway Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify. My trusty co-host, Kevin David Thomas, is off on assignment, so it's just me today, and boy, am I lucky. Today's guest was one of the most famous faces of the regional summer stock circuit of the 1960s and 70s, working all over this great country in such shows as The Pajama Game, My Fair Lady, Hello Dolly, and countless others. Then in 1976, she burst onto the Broadway stage in the hit revival of Very Good Eddie, for which she received a Tony and Drama Desk nomination, as well as a Theatre World Award. To tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Dorothy L'Amour, Ethel Merman, John Raitt, Luigi, and Ray Milland. Here is very good Eddie's Elsie Darling herself, Virginia Seidel. So, Virginia, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. I'm so happy that you're here. You have worked with some of the greatest entertainers that have ever walked this earth. And we're going to talk about them in a little That's bit in a true. second. People like Dorothy L'Amour and Sheila McRae. And I mean, the yes. list is... Your list goes on and on. And then I believe you did call me madam with Ethel Merman at some point. Yes. My, my very first uh, summer where I I got my equity card uh, was in 1968 at the St. Louis Muni Opera. And yes, Miss Merman indeed played Mrs. Sally Adams. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you company. (laughs) I love this. I'm going to ask you all about that. So first, Where did you grow up, Virginia? I grew up in a south suburb uh, of Chicago, an an old suburb. Uh, Fortunately, we were right on the the Illinois Central commuter line. So a lot of people could just walk to the train to get to what we call the Loop, uh, Chicago's downtown. My mom was a small town dancing teacher. And when, you know... I really turned out to be sort of a brat at the studio when she was teaching. So 
by the time I was like, you know, I'd say nine or 10, she started, she would take me down to Chicago uh, to study with um, some really great uh, ballet teachers in, in Chicago. So I was fortunate. I had very good uh, ballet training from those Chicago uh, teachers. And really, that's that's how I ended up getting the Muni Opera job in the dance ensemble. Now, when you were in Chicago, did you do did you work for George Balanchine? Oh, when I was. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, uh, fortunately, one of my mother's students, she was the niece of Vita Brown. Now, Vita Brown at that time was George Balanchine's ballet mistress. So see New York City Ballet, when they did the Nutcracker here in the mid 50s, only two years, they brought it to Chicago, not at the Christmas holidays, but in like March, but people still loved it. So they, of course, did not bring their children. So they had auditions at the Opera House. And I think I did see a clipping that that 2,000 children auditioned. Oh, wow. And 50 were chosen. And I wonder why I was chosen. Four of us from my mom's little dancing school were in the Nutcracker. And I recall Balanchine around my mother. Of course, the adults were more aware of uh, what was happening backstage. But that, that was really a thrill. That was a super thing. And that's what got my mom to then have me study of course when you're nine or ten studies not quite the right word you know but taking with with uh the big schools in in chicago yeah and then when i got to be a little older see i could just take the train ah i see i see i see now at the same time that you were doing or entering the ballet world were you also Mm -hmm. seeing any musical theater performances that were coming through chicago at this time well you know that is kind of i I didn't get to, we didn't. I'm sure my mom would have loved it, but we did go down to see the Bolshoi Ballet Theater. I I never saw one of those touring shows. I remember when Carol Channing came through with Dolly, uh-huh. maybe in eighth grade freshman. And I was going to go with some girlfriend and boyfriends, but we never made it. No. <laughs> okay. Okay. What was it about the world of ballet that appealed to you so much? Well, I guess, you know, it was a lot of fun because, um, you know, when, when I was younger, my mom and I would go downtown and after my lesson, you know, we'd, we'd go to Marshall Fields, the beautiful department store, and we would have a little lunch at Stouffer's, uh, you know, these really, it would just be kind of a fun outing. And uh, it wasn't really till I was uh, in high school that I was going downtown three times a week. Okay. Know? Okay. Like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Okay. So now how did you get from performing in ballet and high school shows to doing the Muni? Well, fortunately, one the teacher, um, that I was mainly uh, with Keith Allison, he had been in ballet theater and, you know, ballet, especially back then was a small world. And a man named Harding Dorn was also in ballet theater, I think. And whereas Keith became a Chicago ballet teacher, Harding uh, was a choreographer and he was the choreographer at Kansas city starlight. And I auditioned for him in Chicago, see, they 
some of those those big uh, uh, summer stock, they would come to Chicago to not just New York. They'd come to Chicago to audition people. So I auditioned for Harding for Kansas City Starlight. And he was very nice. He said, you know, please keep working and studying. He said, you're just you're too young, you know, for the shows we're doing the way the ensemble has to be. You you won't fit in. So my teacher was like, oh, wow, Harding, he liked you. That's something, you know. So because actually my teacher had sent other dancers to the audition. Okay. He didn't send me, but I had a friend in equity and I knew you could call the, the Chicago equity office and say, oh, are there any auditions coming up? And see, they wouldn't ask me if I was a member. Ah. And they told me about Kansas City Starlight. So so my village was like, oh, well, well, you went to that audition and Harding liked you. Oh, well, oh, you know. But then it Muni Opera had an audition, but that was in St. Louis. So uh-huh. here we are in Chicago. So my friend Donna and I, we really wanted to go. And we thought, oh, how are we going to get there? Oh, gosh, you know, St. Louis. And now if, in those days, they had something called student standby on the airlines. Oh. Where you you would go, you would just, you just go to the airport, sign in that you wanted to go from on the flight from Chicago to St. Louis. And Donna and I both got on. It was $15. <laughs> I swear, $15 <laughs> student uh, fare to St. Louis. We stayed at a Hilton Inn by the airport. We didn't, you know, we didn't know. And then we took a taxi the next morning to the huge, uh, what is it? Buell Hall, you know, one of those big, huge oh, sure. places. And it was so exciting because, you know, Crandall Deal was there, who was the My Fair Lady uh, choreographer. It was a few. They had a resident choreographer, but they also, for special shows, they brought uh, uh, Jamie Jameson, who was DeMille's Brigadoon man. So we we went through the whole audition and then we flew back to Chicago. And two weeks later, they said, well, you have a callback. So we did the whole thing over again. So we both joined Equity on May 1st, 1968. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which was really a thrill. Really. Now, wait, how did your family feel about this? I think they thought it was fine. I mean, I was, how old was I? I was 19, you know, okay. and... The Muni was so reputable and there wasn't ever any problems. I mean, that I knew of, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. we, we stayed at a, a great old hotel, you know, for like, we had a suite, you know, a kitchen and a corner room and it was like $25 a, a week or something. Oh, fantastic. I, I would take that now to be honest with you. <laughs> Now, I'm so curious, like when you were when you were at the Muni, were you part of a general dance company that was doing all the shows? Or yes. were you okay? So right, what, was, what, what was the first season of shows while you were there? Or what shows did you do there? Well, my fair lady was first with uh Douglas Fairbanks Jr., very handsome, wonderful. Eddie Albert was oh. totally great. Margot Mosier. She had been a Julie uh, replacement on, on Broadway. Oh, wow. And so now that was a big deal. And that was directed by uh, 
James Hammerstein, Jimmy Hammerstein, son okay. of. That show, because that was our first show, we could just rehearse like crazy, like for two weeks, lots of big scenes. And we played for two weeks. Most of the shows after that, we only rehearsed a week, played a week. Oh. Uh, I think, I'm not sure what, the, but the other shows were Brigadoon with Anne Blythe. Oh my gosh. Bill Hayes, who was actually from my hometown, Call Me Madam, uh, with Russell Knipe and Miss Merman. Uh, oh, and Donna McKechnie. Oh, uh, fun. Donna was in that. Uh, I still am in touch with Donna. Um, oh, Wizard of Oz. Oh, Annie Get Your Gun with Kay Stevens. What's her name? Okay. Now. Oh, pajama game with John Rake, for heaven's sakes. Okay, so I mean, this is this is pretty legendary. Now, had you been to New York prior to this by any chance for like a vacation or anything? Or yes, I again, I was very fortunate with my mom's side of the family. I had a uh, a great aunt and an aunt and a cousin who lived in Manhattan. So a few Easter vacations. Uh, my mother and I would would come to New York. Now I was like eight, nine, ten, so I we didn't see any shows. I guess I was just too young, you know, to go. I did go to the circus, the Ringling Brothers, and Central Park, and Shrafts. Of course, that was okay. A, you, you, you know, good, back good, then. Good. Well, when I was a freshman in high school. My mom said, well, we could go to New York and stay in Aunt Pauline's uh, studio because she goes away for the summer. So I studied at the Joffrey School, which was in um, the West Village then for three weeks. So I was, you know, it was my mom and me. And when we came that first summer when I was the Joffrey, my mom would go to Wednesday matinees because I was gone at the studio all day. And when I got back, she said, oh, Jenny, she said, I saw the most wonderful show. I want you to see it. So we'll go on Saturday matinee. She loves me. That's the first Broadway show I saw. Oh, my gosh. Boy, you're lucky. And then when I graduated from high school, I came by myself. And that's when I stayed at Pauline's, uh, Aunt Pauline's and uh, studied at the Harkness School for a month. What is the Harkness School? Well, Rebecca Harkness was this very wealthy lady. I think she was an oil uh, heiress. Uh, she lo- she was like totally obsessed with ballet. She used to study ballet and, and of course she could basically buy a ballet company, which is kind of what she did. And she was first, she was supporting the Joffrey Ballet financially, but then she wanted more and more control and Robert Joffrey was like, uh, no, you know, I, I'm the ballet master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. So she started her own company because she had enough money to do that. And it had a pretty good run, it did some beautiful ballets. But um, I think eventually it just it just crumbled in financial crisis. Gotcha. Um, but I did audition for How Now Dog Jones. Oh, because they had opened, you know, I, I, see, I wasn't in, in the union yet. Yeah. You, you could, I could audition for Jack Cole, the famous uh, choreographer. Um, and I didn't get very far, actually. But, 
That's then, okay. Oh, oh, wait. And Mata Hari. Uh, those are oh, two. Oh, wow. They were both kind of flops, I guess. I think How Now Dow Jones went a little further. Yeah. So, so you could just, without being a member of Actors' Equity, you could just go to an open dance call. And was yep. this and was this done on the stage of a theater? Yep. Yep. So that's pretty Very exciting. Because cool. that doesn't even, I don't think that happens now. Oh, God, no, 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 no. It's in studios yeah. now, big yeah. studios or yeah. something. Yeah. What's it like oh. to be on a Broadway stage? Well, you know, it was just so huge. I remember being so huge with the, the flies are open, the wings, but um, was plenty of room for the, have us call us all out, you know, to do our fifth position, grand Bamon to the sides and the, everything like that. But like, I, I didn't get, although, you know, what was that other show? Oh, the happy time. Oh, and that was Gower champion, right? Yes. Yes, it was. I got a call back to that. Oh, I did. Amazing. That was my big, you know, my big thing. Let's talk a little bit about some of the people that you, that you mentioned before that you got to work with at the Muni. So what was it like yeah. to watch Ethel Merman? Or to watch John Ray? Did you did you learn anything, any fun anecdotes about watching these people perform? Well, you know, at Muni, the way it was kind of run almost on a military. Yes, tell us, yes. <laughs> you know, get a, um, so on Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the dancers would be on the dance pavilion, which was outside, you know, a covered thing. The singers would be in in the, uh, with, with the piano, you know, inside the music room, the principals would be on their own, maybe at the Chase Park Hotel or something nice, you know, uh, then by Thursday, maybe, no, maybe even by, by Friday, we were all brought together to have a run through, finally, all the parts working in the huge, uh, another pavilion. And Miss Merman, I thought, that's terrible. I thought, oh, she's so old. I mean, no. You know, I thought, oh, she's so old. Um, and she was, uh, she was not big. She's not tall. She's not tall at all. She wore very high heels and, and dressed in a very pretty dress for rehearsal. But when we were running through the numbers and even her dialogue, she whispered. She oh, interesting. Yeah, she did not full voice at all. And even then we had our orchestra rehearsal. She may have sung a little bit. But then there was one big number we did where we had all of this dancing, dancing, dancing and lifts. And Donna McKechnie was was a principal. She was the princess. And and when the number was over, there was a lot of hubbub, you know, with the powers that be. And and pretty soon our choreographer came over to the all the damp Donna and the rest, 24 of us. And he said, we're not going to do that dance because it was I mean, she was right. It was just too distracting. Uh, you know, it, she did not what she let these people jumping around. So, she anyway. knew. She knew. And she liked beer. She liked beer. Beer. She she drank beer. <laughs> well, I would love to have gotten a beer with Ethel Merman. Uh, yes, yes. I think they must have gone out a little bit. You know, and John Raid, he was very uh, so good. And his daughter Bonnie, she yeah. came down, and we thought, oh, she's that's his daughter. She's a singer. Uh. So this is fantastic. So now, so, I mean, you've, you're working with all of these legends and you don't really even have to leave your own backyard to do it. You don't have to come up to New right. York. Yes. So yes. you're getting an education. Start. Okay. So now 
you're done with this season at Muni. Do you go <laughs> back to Illinois or do you go and try New York? There were inklings like, what should I do? This and that, because two of my, well, three actually, well, even more because the maybe the guys, but three of my girlfriends who happened to all live in St. Louis, they were going to New York. That was it. They had done Muni when they were like 16, 17, 18. So they were through with Muni Opera. I mean, as much as they loved it. Got it. But when I got back to, to Harvey, there was audition for an equity dinner theater. Uh-huh. That was the heyday of dinner theaters. I don't know if you're aware of the dinner theater. Yeah, that, tell us, tell us, tell us. Well, at one time, there were 80 equity dinner theaters in the States. I think it's shrunk to maybe under 20, if that, you know, things change, you know, other entertainment things. So I did South Pacific, uh, you know, ensemble, and then Sweet Charity, which was a lot of fun. So I was making some money living at home. Then I did a couple of industrial shows. And then I thought, oh, I want to go to New York to visit, you know, because I, again, I could stay at Aunt Pauline's in, yes. in a small, you know, a little studio and see my girlfriends and see shows. And that is funny that I was, Luigi was the big uh, jazz teacher then for many years before and after. So I was taking class from Luigi. Also, he was recommended to me because if you were a ballet trained person and you needed to transition to doing more Broadway style, it was good to go to Luigi because his jazz was very lyrical based and he knew how to get ballet people to be a little jazzy, to be jazzier. So I was taking class there and after class one day, in the dressing room, uh, some of the dancers, they were chatting about going to an audition for Take Me Along and Irma LaDuce at the Meadowbrook Dinner Theater. Again, dinner theater. And I was just there getting dressed. And, and one of them said to me, are you going to that audition? I said, oh, I said, well, I'm just visiting. I said, I, I really, you know, I don't really know. They said, well, you should go. You should go with us. I said, oh, oh okay. So that was Louisa Flanagan. I, I always try to remind her of that. Lovely. And, you know, it was a simple dance combination. And, you know, we learned it a few times. And then they call you up five at a time. And it was a kind of an, a long, narrow room. And I thought, oh, the choreographer, he really, he didn't see me because I was on the end of five girls. And so, you know, then they said we could go out. and then. When I was outside, this tall man, Marvin Sprague, he came out and said, we'd like you to read for a part. I said, oh, okay. I thought, well, that's odd. You know, they hardly looked at me and I read for a part. So then I was waiting in the little waiting room and he came out and handed me a script. And it was for Muriel in Take Me Along, which is the ingenue uh, in Our Wilderness. You know, Take Me Along is the musical version of Our, of our Wilderness. So I was reading it and reading it. And then in the meantime, there were actresses coming in who were all dressed, you know, they were dressed as to be for the part. And I was, I was a little confused and I went over to one of them and wanted to ask a question. And she, she had her script and she went, I'm not here for course. I'm here for a part. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Okay. Robert, 
<laughs> she just, I'm here for a part. I'm like, oh, okay. So I went and sat down. And so they were auditioning some of these other young women. And pretty soon Marvin Sprague, who was the stage manager, big, big, tall guy, he came out and he said, oh, he said, Virginia, are you ready? And I said, well, I said, oh, I said, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I said, I, I haven't memorized this yet. And he said, you haven't? He said, well, you know, we don't have all day. He said, you're just going to have to come in right now and, and audition. <laughs> you love this, Robert. So, wow. So, so he brings me in and oh, there's Stuart Bishop and Jimmy Smock and Clyde Lords. Everybody's there. And as I started, you know, I was standing there feeling kind of nervous. He said, gentlemen, he said, Virginia has just informed me she is very sorry but she has not memorized the script and they burst out laughing. Like they were hysterical. They were hysterical laughing. I thought, oh no. So Stuart Bishop, God bless him. He got up from behind the thing. He said, Virginia, he said, you know, at our audition, you don't have to memorize a script. He said, you just, you just read, you read your part. And as soon as the other person stops talking, he said, you read I love this. It's like your next part. Oh, Robert, honest to God. When I did that, and I went out. Marvin came out again. He said, he said, do you have a job now? What are you doing? I said, oh, I said, no. I said, no, I'm just visiting New York. He said, you are? I said, well, he said, listen, it looks pretty good for you. I, they called me that night. Get out. So wasn't that, that was beginner's luck. That's what I tell people. And, and an incredible amount of talent as well, but well, we'll say beginner's luck for now. What was your go-to audition song? You know, again, because it was not a singer, singer, um, I would sing simple songs and uh, sometimes like 1920 songs because that sort of suited me. Everybody loves my baby. Everybody okay. Loves my baby, but my baby don't, you know, it, there's hardly any notes there. You know what I mean? The race. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, and then of course there was an era where you'd, you'd get an audition. They'd say, sing a rock song. Well, Please, I mean this was this was out of the question. I had an agent. We 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 go, you know. So I would sing Frank Mills. Okay, which is it's a it's a rock song, but it's a ballad. So that was my excuse, you know. I lo I love that. Can you walk <laughs> us through a little bit about how dinner theater operated? Because I think for a lot of our um, younger listeners, uh, right. they might they might not know what that is. Sure, sure. Well, now Meadowbrook, which was which was in New Jersey, so it had been known as a big nightclub in the swing area era, the the forties, fifties. It was already an established uh, venue for nightclub people and a restaurant. So, with when the dinner theater started there, uh, people would. They would be at their table. They would order from a menu, have dinner. Then that would be cleared away. And they might have their coffee or a cocktail or something. But generally, it was, it was very quiet, you know. Then you do the show. So now Meadowbrook was great because it was only five nights, you know, Wednesday through, through maybe a Sunday mat. Now, other dinner theaters, they would be buffet. So people would go through the buffet and eat. Yeah, I mean, there was the Chateau de Chateau de Viles. It was the Chateau de Villes in the Boston area. That would still be a Sims 
Hello Dolly that I did there, the nightclub lady. See, my first Dolly was with Dorothy Lamore at Milwaukee Melody Top. Dorothy Lamore? Yes, that because Dorothy was one of the real happening dollies. You know, she yeah. Vegas dolly. And see, a lot of the people, the principals, well, ensemble too that I worked with, they had either been on Broadway with Channing, Merman, on tour. You know, there were, I mean, that show was so huge. Yeah. Days. Now, when you were doing Dolly, were you in the ensemble or were you playing? Oh, oh I was Minnie. I was Minnie Faye. Okay. That, okay. See, again, you know, it was just a perfect part for me because I hadn't really studied that much voice, uh-huh. you know, but both Muriel and Minnie, you know, they sing, but it's not demanding, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a big belting thing. It's not, you don't have to have a beautiful high soprano. So, that was fortunate that I could always, uh, you know, go to a, my teacher or coach to work on the music. I, it's, I know it's always hard when you're in the middle of these shows because you're so focused on your character. But was there mm-hmm. anything that you were learning about the craft of acting or performing from either someone like a Dorothy Lamore or some of the directors that you were working with that you still take with you to this day? I remember Stuart Bishop. So he was my first director. I would, you know, take me along. Oh, and then the next show was The Boyfriend with Joan Bennett as Madame Dubonnet and Leland Palmer, who is a a wonderful dancer, actress, singer, Leland. She was Maisie and she was had done, you know, she was quite known. Uh, Well, she still would be when she retired. Um, So Stuart, when he would give us the other girl, the other ladies, you know, at, at the finishing school, he would advise us to watch Leland. He said, because she has economy of movement. Ah. And because she was, she was a great dancer. But even when, you know, in the scenes, he said, watch her, the economy of movement. She doesn't do any extra fluttering around. And, you know, she always is very, you know, clear. And Bill Guile, my very good Eddie director, I guess it was still the same thing. You know, when I made my first entrance, then I was <clears throat> supposed to hold hands with Nick Wyman and say, oh, sweetheart. The audience would laugh a little bit. But soon Bill said, you know, Virginia, when you come on stage, he said, you go up to Nick, but but make a circle like you, you're looking at your surroundings. Like, oh, you see him, but you're making a circle and then say, oh, sweetheart. Well, the dif- the, the difference in the laugh was was just incredible. I mean, oh, you know, great. Because he said, he said, he said, I want the audience to really look at you. Hello, this is Betty Davis. Not the young one, the old one. I've been on matches.com looking for a gentleman who might like to date an actress who loves to smoke and who had a black and white career. And I thought, why am I wasting my money on this when I could merely donate it to those boys behind the curtain? Go to patreon.com and give all you can. God knows they need it. And do it before you're 122 years old. That's Patreon.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What do you look for out of a director or a choreographer? Well, it's, I guess it's nice if they're, especially a lot of things I've done, the, the rehearsal period, you know, it's not long. Yeah. If they're prepared. Or at least, you know, they might have something prepared and maybe they teach it and it doesn't, isn't right. They can adjust it. But to come in cold, unprepared, then people stand around and then people start, you know, making faces and (laughs) And I get directors too, you know, maybe. Sure. Have an idea, maybe with blocking, maybe it'll change, but. I guess have a plan, you know, just if you have a plan, it so, can always change. Yes. It can always change, but at least there's something to change. Yes, yes. At right. least there's something there. Now, mm-hmm. let's talk about very good Eddie. How Towels. did that how did that come into your world? Well, in 72, I had an agent and they sent me to a good speed to the Good Speed Opera auditions for good news uh-huh and i got principal roles in both of those shows and it was just a blast doing good, so many great songs in good news oh my goodness um just imagine button up your overcoat it's and, a great score it was such fun uh, Jim Brochu was was in there. Oh, Jim! Jim, love him. He lives in the other building. I see. I him. love him. Oh, Jim, he's a doll. He's a doll. These shows were older. Yes. At, at a time when we were having company and hair and all these rock shows. Um, yes. Why were Why was Goodspeed bringing back these older shows from the tens and twenties? Well, Goodspeed, I think you know. First of all, the the theater is just a jewel. It, it's an old, uh, I think, 1876 opera house on on the uh, Connecticut River had been used. And then, of course, when the steamboats stopped going up, it went into it became a warehouse. It was derelict. And at some point, the state of Connecticut and probably some benefactors, they fixed it up because um, La Mancha started there. Man of La Mancha. That got them set. And then I think they just decided to do old shows. And that's what they did for many years. Well, that summer was good news. Then uh, Sunny, which which starred Leland Palmer and David Christmas, dear friend of mine, just passed on. Um, and Where's Charlie? They did Where's Charlie? So that was the three. 
for that summer. Then it was two years later that they were doing Miss Liberty and Very Good Eddie. And they had a wonderful orchestrator who would work with the old scores, put them together. And David Tozer, the costumer, they just they just knew how to present these. Uh, and, and of course, there were cuts to the scripts and maybe other songs uh, put in, you know, that were from the same composer. And for our, our listeners who might be unfamiliar with Very Good Eddie, what uh-huh. was um, your role and uh, in this wonderful show? Well, my part was Elsie Darling and Charlie Rappoli was Eddie of the very good Eddie. And it was really just one of those kind of a mix up of couples getting mixed up on the, on the boat, going up the Hudson river, the honeymoon, and it, you know, just really silly things. Um, and, um, but again, you know, Jerome Kearns, even though a lot of the music is not that, uh, that known today, cause he wrote it in uh, 17, I think 19, of his really first shows um babes in the wood i guess would be the uh, it's a lullaby that people know but very very fun and very danceable very very danceable and of course good speed had an orchestra too which some nice always see anymore no that is true that is true and you got to work with charlie and charlie rappley yes the, the great nick wyman oh nick oh he I basically played opposite uh, Charlie and Nick and then Fairbank the same. We were the mixed up couple. I was supposed to be married to Nick, who was very tall and I'm small. Spring was tall, married to Charlie. So with the mix ups of those kind of old shows, we we ended up together with the right partner. Did did you have an inkling that this charming little show was going to go to Broadway? Well, when Very Good Eddie was done that summer. I was not in it. I, I didn't know. Aud- I don't know. Something I was other shows. I just thought, well, there's nothing. I, I, I didn't audition. And oh, I know. Then I was doing a production of Dames at Sea uh, at the Bucks County Playhouse, which was quite a old, nice yeah. uh, summer theater. <clears throat> I was doing that with Jack Gardner. And we had, you know, again, you rehearse a week and running and everything. And we were in a restaurant and Jack had a, like the daily news and it was Rex Reed, Rex Reed's column. And he was all excited. He said, Oh, listen guys. He said, my friend, Charlie Rappoli is in this show at good speed called very good Eddie. And he said, Rex went up to see it and reviewed it. And he said, that's, that, that's really something, you know, the New York critics did not come to good. They might come, but they didn't review ever, you know? So I thought, oh, well, that's nice, you know. So then our show, Dames is, Dames is over, very good. Eddie was over because the next show was coming in. But then Michael Price thought, well, hey, you know, we're getting a lot of interest from New York producers. So we need to bring the show back in October. And Jill Choder had my part. And then there were like maybe four other people, but they, it was not a sure thing it would come back in October. So they got other jobs and Jill had gotten um, a musical version of Brocaccio. And if I say that right, Brocaccio, which was being done in DC to come to Broadway, Broadway show. 
So Goodspeed was having auditions for LC and I think like the four other uh, replacements they needed. So, so I got the part. So I was like, oh, everybody knows this show. I've got to, again, me not always, uh, I needed to work with a coach. I learned all the music before I went up for rehearsal. And and then it just kind of fell into place. Um, I, I was accustomed to good speed, Michael Price and, and Bill, of course, and from, uh, but I did not know Dan Soretta, who was our choreographer. I, I had just met him. And we would run and we'd only do like five shows a week and go back. And then Michael said, well, we're going to extend. It was, it was very interesting how the opera house was available and they kept hearing people coming. And then, and then one night in the second act, there's a, a, was a hotel, it was a balcony and there is a, you know, little sets you can see, you, you can peek. And that night, Michael was running, <laughs> was running around the dressing rooms and he'd stick his head in the door of each dressing room and say, and he said, the whole world's here tonight. And, and, and Charlie's okay. saying, shut up, you know, stop, stop, you know, telling us this. But that's all he said. The whole world's here. And then we did the show. But then at the curtain call, I was still up in behind my little room. And so when the curtain call started, I was looking out and I saw David Merrick in the audience. He was like fifth row on the aisle. I mean, you can't miss him. I mean, he was a tall man with, you know, a dark mustache. And he was applauding. And while he was applauding, he was turning around and the person he was turning around to was Bernard Jacobs, uh-huh. the, Mr. Schubert man, you know. So that was it. They just said, we're taking the show to Broadway. Now, again, that happened, wow. Robert, you know, because they wow. they had the booth. The booth was empty. It was next to Chorus Line. What could be a better spot? Uh, it be right on the Schubert Alley. It's just a matter of, of like, a, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And then that was it. And what was it like to make your Broadway debut? Well, <laughs> it just seemed like it all, we were all set. And then we rehearsed up the New York School of Ballet, which had been, you know, George Balanchine's old studio. And we opened like on the fourth night. So it was very fast. And then we got great reviews. See, we were already assured because, well, Rex Reed from the summer. Right. It was really yes. read that lit the fire. And but Clive Barnes had come up to see the show. And uh, in fact, we were there at Halloween and we had we planned this big party. And um, I had a Playboy bunny costume from a friend. So Great. I my bunny. I couldn't eat. So I had to take it off after a while. Um, <laughs> it's so tight, you know, love it. Love it. And Charlie, he had a t- a white T-shirt. And he had, with magic uh, pen, what do you call it, a Sharpie, he printed the the Clive Barnes review on that T-shirt. And he made a mask, uh, what do you call it, decoupage? Yes. Of of the New York Times. And then it had a a thing that stuck up and said the New York Times. That was his Halloween costume. Oh, funny. (laughs) Very funny. Now, not only does the show... It gets nice reviews, but you also got some awards and nominations. Is that correct? That is so true. First Robert. time on Broadway? Oh, yes. It was just so incredible. Charlie and I uh, were the two performers. Uh, 
we were uh, nominated in Best Featured, which is fine with us. For Tony's, uh, yeah. And Bill Guile was director and Danny Serretta, choreographer. So the four, the four of us. Uh, like I say, it was wonderful that we were the same year as Chorus Line. Yeah. To be right next to them. Plus, you knew you didn't have to worry about uh, an acceptance speech. Because you knew you would. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, you know, in fact, the Tonys were held in the Schubert. Oh. So they did. The Tonys that year opened with a chorus line number. You know, da 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 you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, Kelly Bishop uh, won. And Sammy Williams won for Charlie. And, of course, Michael Bennett won both things so. yes but you also got a drama desk nomination is that I, right yes yes that was really fun but um the theater world awards uh-huh. they, like 10 people each year yeah and back then they would they would have a big party you know with champagne and you know that was christopher walken gave me my theater world award. oh that's pretty special yeah yeah he's he's a pretty I always say he's the shining example of a dancer who really stepped into film and yeah. made quite a career. There's not that many, you know. No, yeah. it's no, it's small numbers. So after Very Good Eddie closes, mm-hmm. then tell me about your journey. Well, I did go on the national tour, uh-huh. with, which was fun. And then I had good agents, you know, I did I did do a lot of commercials. What what products? Oh gosh, oh gosh, Twix, ah, candy bar, and that was choreographed by Wayne Salento, and Wayne, you know, created a a role, and I can do that. Yes, how cool is that? That's Wayne and my husband, my late husband Todd Miller. We got to do two Dames at Seas. I would be Ruby, and he would be Lucky because he was such a really great. Uh, Tapper. Yeah. Did that regionally um, uh, in Springfield, Massachusetts, and the wonderful Summerstock Barter Theater in Virginia. And I had done other movies. I always say, you know, really, Bernadette was instrumental in my career because, (laughs) see, Bernadette did Ruby, you know, Dames at Sea. Yeah. She had been a child. Uh, performer before that, but Dames at Sea really. And so her type became popular. Like you were saying, mm. about nostalgia and 1920s. And, and that's what Bernadette did. Yeah. Of course, Bernadette could not do all the Dames at Sea's companies. So, so myself and some other lucky, somewhat similar to Bernadette got jobs because of her. It's true. It's well, thank you, Bernadette. I did Playwrights Horizon. You know, they did the satire, uh, Oh, What a Lovely War. Yeah. And I was involved in a show that almost made it to Broadway called Going Hollywood. Ah. A Jennifer, uh, Jonathan Sheffer composer and David Zippel lyrics. Yes. Uh, we had a Schubert-funded um, workshop. Uh, well, first of all, we did backers auditions. With Harvey Evans, Peter Evans, Christy Nebersall. It's a great group, my God. Ray, I mean, these, I mean, we rehearsed for like two days. 
with our scripts and, and yeah. then these backers auditions, they were very exciting. Again, attended by everybody. And then the Schubert's decided, well, this show is worth doing a whole workshop. And that's what Dolores was in. And Christine Eversall. Oh, and Jerry Mitchell was in the in the ensemble. Our oh, wow. for Jerry. It was like, <laughs> and you Jeez. know, he's so tall and handsome still, but you know, everybody loved Jerry. <laughs> so, and then, you know, Robert, it's just one of those things about timing and what else is opening. Twyla Tharp, she decided to do Singing in the Rain. As I understand it, she basically took the choreography from the film. They put the film on stage. That's what it was. Now, Singing in the Rain, it draws from, see, our show was based on Once in a Lifetime, which is about the transition from talkies, um, from silence to talkies. And that came first before Singing in the Rain. But Singing in the Rain is the same thing. And Singing in the Rain opened. It did not get good reviews. It didn't run. But then our show, which, you know what, with Christine Ebersol, come on. She was yeah. just getting known then. It felt we just, it collapsed. We didn't, it did not go to Broadway. And it's, I blame on Singing in the Rain because it yeah. just, the source material was the same. So did you ever, as, as time goes on, did you mm-hmm. ever start to teach at anywhere or were you always focused on performing? I think I would have really liked to have taught, but I didn't really have much opportunity because of, you know, when you're auditioning for commercials and it's just in those days, you know, you'd have maybe two or three auditions a day. And then if you booked some, you know, you were always auditioning for other things. And, but I did happily, now it's probably been 10 years. um, I had a a good friend who, what do you say? Adjunct, adjunct professor up at uh, the, the old, it's the first uh, Cooney school. Oh, okay. It's a gorgeous old bill. It's a beautiful old place. It's very famous. Um, but they had a theater department, have a theater department, and she taught uh, speech and musical theater. And she was able to get a budget for me to come up and teach theater dance um, a few times. And I just, I loved the kids. They were so great. Um, the guys, they were game, you know, for, they weren't dancers, really. No one was a dancer, but I knew enough to do things that they could do and amazing. Now tell us a little bit about your work with dancers over 40. Oh, dancers over 40, yes. Well, I always say no one joins till they're at least 47. Great. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Gosh, I guess I was, I don't know if I joined right away, but uh I had good friends who were involved in it. And then it was it was what's really been nice about it is that because this was before the internet when it started. So there would be these parties and get togethers, small concerts where you could reconnect with people you hadn't seen for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's a good organization. It's small, you know, small nonprofit, but they've done a lot of really good things. They preserve things for Lincoln Center for the library. Yes. 
but you also received a pretty big award from them. Did you know? Oh, that's right. Oh, the Legacy Award. Yes. <laughs> that's right. Yes. In um, 18, I think 18. Well, congratulations and well-deserved. Oh, they, it was fun. They, they pick uh, like, I don't know, maybe four people to um, honor. And it's always at a, a, a fun dinner and everybody has a blast, you know. Yes. Well, I, I, I am so happy that you won it. It's a fantastic organization. The question we always ask people towards the end of our interviews is the same one I'm going to ask you, which is what do you know now? as a performer that maybe you wished you had known when you first started out, when you first came to New York city. Oh gosh. I was so lucky that I came with my equity card, right? That was, I realized now that was very big that I came here with my union card so I could go to auditions. I had my family here, um, my mom's side, but I guess well, for dancers over 40, we they asked a similar thing. And I just said for young people, you know, there's the Episcopal Actors Guild, which is very inexpensive to join. It has, it's not a really, it, it, it's for all, what do they say? All faiths or none. They have mm-hmm. a, a guild hall. They have lots, even through the whole pandemic, they have actors nights. They have, you can discount uh, resumes and pictures. It's just such a great community um, for for anybody, but especially young people coming that might not have a, a network. And also, actually, Dancers Over 40 is open to young people, too. This is great you know, advice. It's just um, simple things. You know. you know what? Sometimes those simple things are the <laughs> things that we need the most. Virginia, it has been such an absolute joy and pleasure getting to talk to you today. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story with us. Well, the same same here, Robert. Uh, very fun. Very fun. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. And a big thanks to the punchy players, Jeff Marquis, who is bringing back Lucy, Betty, Judy, and Morda shill for us. And a big thanks to our sound editor, Daniel Schwartzberg, and social media manager, Bethany Ann Selecki. And don't forget, we want more folks to hear these incredible stories, and that's where you come in. In order for people to find out about us, we need lots of ratings on iTunes. So head on over to iTunes, search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends, click on our logo, click on ratings and reviews, then write a review and leave us five stars and make us feel as special as Eliza Doolittle on Eliza Doolittle Day. Or you can leave us just one star and you can make us feel as baddie, baddie, bad as Annie did in that really weird production in Boston where Annie dreamt that she was being adopted, but then she ended up back in the orphanage, right back where she started. Yeah, true story. Rob saw it. Yes, and it was Betty. It was bizarre. I was there. I was. Oh, God. So head on over to iTunes and make us feel even more special than we already do. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org, because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.